0: Uh, which I hope you got handed on the way in, I'm sure you did. Uh, we're going to be looking at the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And it's uh, part of a, a sort of point in two ways, really. One is that we're doing a whole term looking at this question of good news. We're asking, what is the good news? Literally, that's what Gospel means. What is the good news of Jesus as we head towards Easter? Uh, but also, we're working through just the first few chapters of Mark, Mark's Gospel as a little sort of taster, for reading the whole of Mark's Gospel, I hope, during Lent. And uh, what you'll find is that Mark is actually a very short book. Uh, it's very easy to find one's way around. Uh, it's, uh, he gets to the point good and quickly, doesn't waste words on flowery language, loves to tell it like it is. If you need a page number, uh, it's on page 1002 and, uh, th- two and 3. So 1002 is where we're going to be starting. 1002. Let me read for you Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 21. And so far in Mark, we've heard about John the Baptist, the one who pointed away from himself to the good news of God that was coming in Jesus. And we've heard about Jesus coming to those first disciples and calling them to leave what they were doing, to turn a different direction and to follow him. And now we're going to look at what happened as Jesus has embarked on his public ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Since they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. And so he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed and the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases and he also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, those of you sitting near the front will have seen that when i popped out and came back into church in the first song i was fiddling with my phone and um, i do honestly and promise you that that wasn't because i was trying to find out what was happening in the tennis although now you say no we won't do that will we do you want to know what's happening in the tennis it's one one set all there you go Oh, 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 and Murray, two love up in the third set. We're doing well. I'll, give you, I'll let you know at the end of the sermon, okay, how we're doing. <laughs> okay, the reason I was actually on my phone was because um, I, had to, I had meant to print out and had forgotten to print out a little quote from this week. And uh, Stephen Fry, uh, love him or loathe him, and actually for the best part, I rather love him, I think he's a, a remarkable writer, um, a very effective comedian, And uh, for the most part, QI is uh, one of those guilty pleasures that uh, I will sit and watch if it comes on the TV. But this week he's made the news not because of his comedy or his uh, remarkably uh, prolific Twitter feed, but because of an interview he gave on Irish TV where they asked him about his view of God. Now, he's made no secret of the fact over the years that he is a card carrying and convinced atheist. And yet, for an atheist who believes there is no God, he seems to carry a huge amount of emotion towards the god who isn't there and uh, he said uh, in his usual in, inimitable way in a very um, articulate way he was asked well to, he was asked about his non-belief in god and, and what he wanted to say was for him being an atheist wasn't just about saying there's no god but that actually if you did believe in god a god who created a world that's like this you couldn't possibly believe that he was good and this is what he said amongst many other things he said i'll say Uh, actually i think that's right he was asked what will you say if you're wrong and you end up at the pearly gates and you have to account for your atheism that's right this is this is what he then says he says i'll say bone cancer in children what's that about how dare you how dare you create a world in which there is such suffering that is not our fault it's not right it's utterly utterly evil Why shall I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I would say. A capricious, mean-minded, stupid God. We may not agree with everything Stephen Fry says, and you may not be a card-carrying atheist, and yet... If you think for any length of time about the world in which we live, and if you've experienced in your own life or especially in the life of those that you love, any level of the suffering of this world, and if you watch your news and read your newspapers, we have to have at least a little bit of sympathy for what he says. He later on says, well, look, I do know that there are lots of lovely things in this world. There is much to enjoy but he says there is so much suffering how can we believe in a God of love in the midst of that now I I suppose he already I do suppose he knows that this is a question that he hasn't come uniquely to him this is a thing that's been wrestled over and thought about and written about and worked through not just for 2,000 years but for at least three and a half thousand years if you read the Psalms written long 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 before the time of Jesus the psalmist writes from the heart, not just from a theory, not as a philosopher, not as a theologian, but as somebody who's suffering. He writes of his desperation, of his broken heartedness, of his um, anger against God psalm 88 psalm 73 plenty of other places in the bible itself where the psalmist yells at god Uh, you can imagine almost a toddler-like tantrum being held by god and thumping god's chest and saying it's not fair why did you make it like this if stephen fry imagines christians down the years have simply missed the fact that there is plenty of evil and suffering in the world he is sorely mistaken There is not a person alive who believes in a good creator God who has not at some point had to wrestle or go on wrestling with that question. Why? And what's God going to do about it? And in the context of our sermon series and of Mark's Gospel, the big question is this. How can a Christian, how can I possibly say that Jesus is good news in a world that is so packed full of bad news? How can Jesus be good news for somebody who has experienced or is experienced terrible suffering. Now I want to tread very carefully this morning uh, for two big reasons. One is that it is simply impossible in just 10 or 15 minutes that I've got left to even begin to do justice to a a question that fills books this thick. So I'm not even gonna pretend to give you an answer, but the beginnings of something. But secondly, if you're in the middle of a very dark place at the moment, if you are somebody who actually is doing your yelling then you need a talk on suffering about as much as somebody with a broken leg needs an elastoplast. You almost need to switch off. I'm going to say one thing which I hope is helpful and then the rest you may just need to sit next to. Because when you're in the middle of it, the last thing you need is theory. What you need is help. What you need is comfort. What you need is a God who comes alongside you, not a vicar at the front telling you some theory. And in that case, I would send us back to the Psalms. The Psalms are the place to mine for the words with which to yell at God, with which to tell God it doesn't make sense sometimes, with which to say to Jesus, why? Because what the psalmist does, as well as articulate those feelings from deep down inside, he also brings us back to God to say, but thank you that you never leave me. Thank you that you never stop loving me. Thank you that you are with me. You are alongside me. You are the God who enters into suffering, doesn't just lecture me about it from afar. For Stephen Fry, the world is a cold and lonely place. There is no God for him who can come and accompany him through the suffering of life. But we know there is. Can this passage say anything to us? I think it can. The passage we've just had read to us from Mark's Gospel speaks of Jesus dealing with evil and dealing with suffering. And whatever your take on evil spirits and the demonic, and that isn't the subject of today's sermon, that's a conversation to have another time. Whatever your take on those things, it's very clear that for Mark, he views evil and suffering and sickness in almost the same breath. I don't know whether you picked up, but when he talks about the evil spirit going and he talks about uh, um, Simon's mother-in-law being healed, he uses exactly the same phrase. He says, it left her or it left him the evil spirit left the suffering left the fever left as far as he's concerned when jesus deals with evil and when he deals with sickness he's doing the same thing why well for mark it's all about the kingdom he's talking about jesus as we were thinking last week as the rightful king of the universe the one who made all things the one who sits on the throne of time and eternity god himself the rightful king. But Mark is also very clear, and Jesus makes no bones about the fact that that throne, in our experience of the world, day by day, week by week, year by year, has been usurped. This world is not as it was meant to be. God wasn't that capricious and mean-minded God who created a world to be full of suffering and unfairness. This was the God who made all things good. That's the picture language of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 helping us to see that the gift God gave to us, that he meant us to have, was a gift of perfection. A gift without death, without suffering, without loneliness, without heartbreak. The picture language of the Bible, those opening chapters, is that it's because we as a humanity have turned our backs on him, because we have chosen to put ourselves on the throne rather than Jesus, that there is a fault line, a break, a brokenness, That we experience in our lives and in the world as a whole. So, when the rightful king comes, the question is what will happen? Well, when the rightful king comes, he has the right and the power to deal with evil and with sickness. The question is why doesn't he deal with it all at once? Have you never wondered about that? When Jesus was walking the earth, we think roughly 33 years, when he was doing his public ministry, maybe just three years of his life, he healed the sick, he dealt with evil, he even raised two or three people from the dead. And yet, over those three years, there were still tens, hundreds of thousands of people uh, within even just the nation in which he was living, let alone the whole world as a whole, who were not healed and who still died. Lazarus, even one of the ones who was raised from the dead, his friend Lazarus, still had to die again. So what's going on? Why is it that this Jesus was able to deal with evil and with the the sickness put in front of him and yet still things were broken? Well, the first thing to say about that is Mark is unashamed about that fact. He doesn't try and cover it up. This isn't some sort of make-believe superhero story where he only shows you the good bits this is a story where he shows you jesus hung on a cross at the end of his life whipped to literally within an inch of his life a crown of thorns forced into his head nails put through his wrists and his uh, his shins jesus knew what it was to suffer jesus knew that the world wasn't as it was meant to be there's nothing about faith where you have to close your eyes and whistle and hope it all goes away But the second thing is that Mark shows a Jesus who wherever he goes is telling people, you can be sure that evil and sickness and even death are defeated and here's a sign for you. Here's a taste of what's to come. If you're sick, if you're seriously sick, Sick with something that could have long-term consequences, perhaps even end your life. And you had a choice between a doctor who would deal with your symptoms such that you would never feel sick again, or a doctor who would deal with the disease itself. I wonder which you'd choose. On the one hand, dealing with the symptoms so that you didn't feel ill, but in the end the disease would have its way short-term gain or would you go for the doctor who said i can deal with the disease here was jesus saying to us do you know our problem is far more than simply sickness and the presence of evil our problem is not simply that people get sick or do terrible things to one another, or that we live in a fractured society. There is something even deeper. There is a disease that causes those symptoms. And I have come to deal with the disease, not just to make you feel better. He doesn't say so with a hard heart. This is the man who stood at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and wept. This is the man who stopped and had time for the woman uh, whose bleeding had made her unclean and who was uh, uh, at the farthest corners of society and had time to stop and, and look at her eyeball to eyeball and to touch her hand. This is a man of incredible compassion. But this is also the one who said it is not simply a case of trying to make people feel better. He didn't come simply as a wonder worker, as somebody to be put on some sort of pedestal Wow, what amazing things he did, Jesus. This was a man who came to be nailed to a cross, to live, to die, to rise again, to deal with the disease. What causes these problems? I don't know whether you've ever um, uh, injured yourself um, to the point where you eventually gave in and went and got some treatment. Um, I... I, um, like many men, have this thing where it's better to sort of just keep going and and avoid the doctors. And uh, it's a stupid um, thing to do, uh, because actually there are times when you simply have to give in and go, you know that thing that's been bothering me? I need to go and get it checked out. And you know, don't you, that even if you had a nagging sense that something was wrong, it's the symptoms that make you go. You know, if you've hurt your foot and you sort of felt something crack, but you could run on it fine many of us would just keep going, wouldn't we? We don't want to bother the doctor, we don't want to make a fuss, and actually we're a bit worried that they might tell us to stop running. So we just keep going. There is something deep down in the way the world works now, where the symptoms that we hate so much of evil, of suffering, even of death itself, are, as C.S. Lewis once put it, God's megaphone. To tell us that there is something wrong with this world they're the symptoms of a disease we need to deal with it's not that God doesn't care God has given us the gift of compassion of medicine of science and yes of prayer to bring healing and rescue and comfort and compassion but those symptoms are there to tell us the world is not as it's meant to be I think as God heard Stephen Fry on the TV God would have been going exactly Exactly. The world is not as I made it to be. So why not do something about it? Why not come to the one who made it perfect? Why not come to the one who in Jesus has made it possible that it would be made perfect again one day? Why not come to the doctor who's cured the disease? Don't settle simply for feeling the symptoms getting better. So when Jesus cast out evil or when he healed the sick... He was saying these things matter, but he was also showing something about the cure that was to come. He was saying, I am the rightful king, and in my life and death and resurrection, I am one day going to put all things right. I am going to cure the disease. And what's the disease? The disease is very simply our backs turned on God. Us putting ourselves on the throne of our lives rather than God. I have to confess there's something almost comical Put this very uh, carefully maybe this isn't the right way of putting it there is something almost comical of Stephen Fry or any of us standing and wagging a finger at Almighty God here is the God of time and eternity the God who has made all things and the God who has given Stephen Fry his life and his incredible wit and intelligence and his riches and his great life and he's going to stand there and wag his finger at him do you know the amazing thing god copes with that god welcomes it god would much rather we said how we felt and said what we thought to him than bottled it up and felt we had to be all polite or religious that's why the psalms are there to remind us we're meant to be as we are before god we're meant to say to god this is terrible you've let me down where were you because that's what the psalmist says but what the psalmist says as well is but even though i don't understand even though i don't always get it even though i long for the day when you put all things right i know that you are with me i know that you will never let me down And reading the stories of Jesus, reading what he did when he walked this earth as he cast out evil and said there is no evil, no matter how terrible, that is greater than the power of God. And when he looked at uh, suffering and sickness and said there is no sickness, however terrible, that is beyond God's reach and even death itself will not have the final word. As we read that, we are reminded to keep coming back to God with the reality of a broken world and a broken heart and a broken life because he is the one who is the king. And he does come to us and is with us and does bring healing and encouragement. But most of all, he gives us hope. And you see, that's why it's good news. See, it's not good enough news if somebody simply says to me, I can make you feel better today. Because what about tomorrow? And what about the next day? What about the person who breaks my heart and the out-of-control car that does me damage and the the broken world and the climate that, that seems out of control it's all very well making me feel better today but what about tomorrow what about the day after and Jesus says I've come that you might have a sure and certain hope that one day all will be put right because the true king has come and that's good news that is real good news We've been praying today for Jesse and for Kira. We've been praying and alongside their parents, we long that they would know as little unpleasantness, as little brokenness in their life as possible, that they'll have a long and healthy and happy life. But we know that because they're human beings and because they live in this broken world, there will be tastes of the brokenness of this world that they have to walk through. And what we're praying for them is that they will find in Jesus the one who accompanies them through any day. And that they will find in him the good news that this life is not the end of all things, but the beginning of all things. And that Jesus's life and death and resurrection was for them because he loves them. And promises them a life of the world to come that is full of this that is full of the rightful king sat on the throne. Sickness and evil and death dealt with. And in the meantime, there are times when we yell at God and there are other times when we willingly slip our hand into his. But whether yelling or trusting, we know that he never leaves us and he loves us in Jesus to the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus we see the true King come to sit on his throne. We thank you that in Jesus you have showed us the power of God at work in dealing with evil and with sickness and even with death. But we thank you that you weren't willing simply to rub away the symptoms, but you wanted to deal with the disease. You know the disease of our hearts, where we put ourselves on the throne, and we pray instead, Jesus, that we would put you on the throne the rightful king of all things. Walk with us, we pray, through the dark days of our lives. Give us gratitude for the bright days and trust in the midst of it all. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.